Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. gentlemen welcome into another episode of two peas on a podcast so glad that you have joined us you know gerald is here with you of course and the other pea on the pod this evening is a first-time guest of the show which is always very exciting for me i've known this guy online and on social media for a while but we've never had a chance to cross paths on a podcast before so i'm very honored that it's my show that he's on and that we're able to chat but let's say what's up to sam from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs. Sam, what's up, brother? How are you? Hey, man. I am doing well. Or G-Banger, as uh, Wayne likes to call you. <laughs> That's going same... around, huh? That's going around. It is, it is going around. It has the same meaning down here in New Zealand as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very excited to be here. I love doing lists. I think cool. they're awesome. I, I love the mental breakdowns that I give myself every time I try and make one. I'm so excited to be here. So excited. Awesome, man. Well, I'm thrilled that you are here as well. Like I said, it's always really exciting for me to have a first-timer. I know you'll be back on in the future, and this will be a beautiful thing that, that we do, Sam, every few months, you know. But we gotta we got to start somewhere. we gotta we got to pop the cherry, you know what I mean? No, oh, I'm starting to go red. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell everybody about your show, man? Because, you know, you've never been on the P's before. So I, I have a lot of listeners that may not be aware of what you do. So tell them a little bit about what Movie Reviews and 20 Qs is all about. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, so our show does exactly what the description, uh, well, does exactly what the title says. We take a movie and then we ask 20 questions about it. We run through 10 questions that can be applied to any film. That's sort of as a way to start us off. And then we move into three personal questions because we usually have two guests with me doing the show. And then we finish on a question that we're throwing out there to our listeners. And rather than like sort of go pretentiously about it, you know, mm. like what themes and symbolism was the director trying to convey and all that sort of stuff, right. we typically go a little bit more left field, you know, trying to ask absurd or funny questions. So right. we might go like, what quote from this film would be the worst to hear after six? or how would you have put Nicolas Cage into this movie or what flavor pizza is this movie we try to go like real weird and obtuse but at the same time we try to give a sort of well-rounded analysis of the film that you don't have to be a film like critic to appreciate it can just be anyone that can appreciate it but yeah we just try and run the gamut basically right that's what I love about it it's it's a very like abstract approach to a lot of movies that are getting like really dissected by the critical community (laughs) and then you guys come along and you're like yeah but you know I was I'm I'm way behind I listen to your show frequently but I, I the one I was listening to most recently was Parasite which I think you did like a fucking year ago so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was a while ago <laughs> it's been a while uh, yeah. but that was the one I was on this week I was listening to and just for as an example kind of what you were explaining our buddy Dan Brennick pitched the question to you guys where would you have ins- inserted a Blink-182 song into the movie uh, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, like those kinds of questions. Uh, it's a really cool approach that you guys do to kind of have in your movie reviews over there. So I love yeah, your show. 
Yeah, it's like one of those things like when we started out, we like I listened to other movie review podcasts and, you know, you, you hear them talking for two and a half hours, three hours about a film and like, you know, it's, it's good. It's gauging conversation. But like when we started out doing it, we were just like, we'd talk for about five minutes and we're like, I'm done. I think I'm done. I've got nothing else to say about this film. Right, right. So we were like, why don't we try and figure out a way to like keep ourselves talking, keep ourselves structured and just get through it. And yeah, yeah. it's just it's turned into what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it worked out great, man. I mean, it's a great show. It's a great concept, guys. Uh, Sam's information will be in the show notes and he'll uh, give you some information at the end to find him on social media as well. But make sure you look him up, Movie Reviews and 20 Qs. So, Sam, you're here, man. And, you know, what I started doing because, uh, you know, I got kids, man, and I got work and I got all this coronavirus shit. So I'm a busy dude, right? So what I started doing a few months ago is I said, okay, you want to come on the show? That's cool. But you got to come up with a topic. You got to give me the the topic that we're going to do the top five list for. So you actually came up with a few really good ones. And this is the one we landed on. Why don't you tell everyone what the countdown is tonight, kind of in your own words? Yeah. So what we are trying to do is we're trying to bring up the most memorable, best, greatest scenes from movies that are otherwise garbage. There you go. So like the the way I sort of came up with this is like at the start of our podcast, we always do a thing called the compliment sandwich, which is if we like the movie, we give it one good thing, one bad thing, and then one good thing. Alternatively, if we hated the movie, we give it one bad thing, one good thing, and one bad thing. So mm-hmm. this is kind of like a shortened version of that where we're trying to look at films that are always rubbish that, you know, maybe me and you still enjoy, but at the same time, there's one scene in them that it's like yeah that was perfection like if the rest of the movie was like that right. it'd be well regarded everyone would love it but unfortunately it's not sort of thing so yeah that's 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 what i was going for right and you were also telling me a little bit before we started recording that your list is kind of split where it's like movies that you you like even though they might be critically shit on right is yeah. that what you were kind of saying you went with yeah basically yeah so the list i'm going to go through of the top five are all five films that i don't enjoy that much i think one of them might be about a two and a half stars out of five at most but probably a two star mm-hmm. the rest of the films are pretty average and then i've got a list of five films that like fuck the critics i love these films <laughs> right right same here yeah i was telling you i've got my 10 if i count my honorable mentions and i i would say easily nine of them are movies that i like like them like i'm surprised they're rotten on rotten tomatoes you know like i like exactly uh but i do have guilty pleasures and i you know i get it i have a a weird sensibility sometimes so all right man so we're gonna call it the the top five uh good scenes from bad movies yeah or great scenes from bad movies what do you think that sounds good right it has a good ring it sounds perfect sounds amazing five four three two one and here we go all right sam so if you're ready man uh tell us what you picked at number five what's your number five why'd you pick it yeah so my number five is uh like i've tried to vary it up a bit as well i've tried because i mean you could do this just based on action films or just based on horror films or something like that so i've tried to try to vary it up Try to go with like a something from every different genre. My first one is a comedy. It's from Ace Ventura 2 when nature calls and it's the rhino birth. It's the scene where... Dude, I picked a, I picked a scene from this movie, but it's a different one. I, I, oh, I, I should have told you. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm going to let you talk about it. But I should have told you uh, or I should have asked you in the beginning if you thought we were going to have any crossover because I got to be honest, I didn't think we would. But here we are, the first pick. <laughs> the but first go ahead. One, so, yeah. so the rhino birth, this is hilarious. Go ahead. 
Yeah, it's absolutely hilarious. And of, before I get into it, yeah, the crossover, I feel like we might have one, but like the rest of them probably not. Okay. Uh, yeah, but the Rhino birth scene, I mean, it's just, it's Jim Carrey at his like physical comedy best where he's stuck inside a rhino, like an animatronic <laughs> rhino and basically his air conditioning goes out. So he tries to poke a hole in the rear of the rhino and then climb himself out so he can get some oh, fresh air. Oh man, so and stupid. It's, just, it's so <laughs> yeah. stupid, but like, like, like if you listen to our show, I'm very immature when it comes to like a lot sure. of topics and this just, struck me like the rest of the movie average like garbage sort of thing but there's this one scene where you know like the safari group pull up and they're like oh you get to witness nature at its finest and it's just Jim Carrey riffing and covered in sweat coming out the ass of this you know fake rhino it's just just brilliant I just love it it looks like the rhino gave birth to an adult human you know the kids are like just shockingly disgusted you know exactly oh man yeah no Jim Carrey I mean just that Ace Ventura character in general I've talked about the, the first one on this show before but i've never really talked about when nature calls but just that character is just so iconic to me in in cinematic comedy i think you know oh yeah absolutely yeah he he just created something that'll just live on forever in my opinion so uh it's funny that you said that was the scene from that movie that's otherwise bad because i have a different scene from that same movie uh, which i'll talk about in in a moment that's your number five so my number five is from a movie that This is one of those that I was kind of talking about, Sam, where I'm kind of surprised that it is as bad as it is on Rotten Tomatoes. So I have the scores here. So the score for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes is a 26%. And that surprises me. It's directed by McGee, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Which could could turn some people off right away. But uh, it came out in 2012. It's a movie called This Means War. Did you ever see it with Tom Hardy, Chris Pine, and Reese Witherspoon? I was about to say, they're both spies fighting over her. Is it yes, the, yes. Is that yes. the one? I, I think I watched half an hour of this on a date with a girl. Oh, you like it either, huh? I'm just going to go, I just need to go to the toilet and then I just think I'm just like scrolled on my phone for about an hour. <laughs> so you're the majority. I, I love this movie, man, but there's a scene in it when, I mean, I think the whole movie's great. I got to be honest. Right. But I was, but I, obviously yourself included, a lot of people think of it as a bad movie. But there's a scene in it where Tom Hardy takes her on a date and they go to do, to paintball. They go to play paintball. Did you see that scene or do you remember that scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think I remember that scene. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Tom Hardy's like a badass CIA agent, right? And he, uh, he goes to this paintball and, he, and it has this montage with this music playing over it. And he's playing against, or his team is playing against like all these younger kids, like teenagers and stuff. And he's like taking it like super seriously, you know, like he's, she's like, oh, this is going to be fun. And he's like, no, it's not fun. This is war. And he like goes into the paintball field and he's just taking these kids out, bro. And they're, they start getting scared. So they hide in this little like shed or whatever. And he throws like a paintball grenade into the shed and it explodes and they get paint all over themselves. <laughs> And anyway, he's just taking it like way too serious, you know, and it's a game of capture the flag and he gets to the other side, he captures the flag. And then, you know, Reese Witherspoon kind of stumbles up to him like, oh my God, like you're really good at this, you know, and she's trying to figure out why her gun wouldn't work because she wanted to help him and she she ends up shooting him in the dick. And that's that's the end of the scene. It's kind of like a classic gag or whatever. He gets shot in the groin. But uh, this scene's just hilarious to me. I absolutely love Reese Witherspoon, too, by the way. I guess I should have led with that. She's like one of my Hollywood crushes. So Yeah, she's she's brilliant. I I feel like maybe I didn't get up to that scene. I think I might have got to the start of it. (laughs) Because what you just described perfectly is like plays to my sensibilities. That's the type of scene that I love in movies. So, yeah. Yeah. Check it out, man. I mean, that scene is on YouTube. You can look up. It's like two and a half minutes. It's not very long. But uh, I love the whole movie. I mean, I'm just saying. I know uh, apparently a lot of people don't. But I think it's a good flick. But, yeah, that scene, the paintball scene, 
from This Means War would be my number five. What do you got nice. at number four? What do you got at number four over there, Sam? Uh, my number four can be best encapsulated by saying it was a Tuesday. I'm going to go back to 1994. I'm going to dig out um, a scene from the movie Street Fighter in yeah. which Ming-Na Wen confronts Bison while she's being held hostage by him and then tells him, him the story about how he invaded her town and her dad was this magistrate that fought him off and blah, blah, blah. And she tells this like really long and poignant story and then she goes, do you remember this? He's like, nah, I don't. I don't remember. And she just sort of looks at him like, what do you mean you don't remember? and then sort of overacts but his response of just to you the day that bison village of the the day that bison visited your village was the most important day of your life to me it was a tuesday yeah yeah (laughs) yeah classic classic it's just it's just it's one of those things like the the story of Ra Julia actually being in this film, like he was battling cancer at the time and his kids loved Street Fighter. So he did this film so that he'd, you know, leave this lasting legacy for his kids, you know, mm. thinking that this film was going to be great, you know, and it's, it's just sad because he gives an amazing performance throughout this entire film. But I think that one scene is the one that just stands out the most for me. This one popped up on a couple of lists when I was doing research and I hadn't seen the movie in long enough to really... Uh, name it. I hadn't seen this movie in forever, really, since it came out, which is like, what, 25 years ago? Yeah, 94. Yeah, 26 years ago. So I haven't seen it in a minute. Yeah, it's funny for a a guy growing up in sort of rural New Zealand, sort of small town New Zealand, went and saw this film, used to think it was brilliant. And then, you know, the internet was basically became worldwide and I just realized that everybody hated this film. And I was like, what the fuck? And then when I actually went back and rewatched it, I was like, yeah, no, this film is garbage. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Did you play the game as a kid growing up? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That was that was our pastime, just going down to the local arcade and playing this. Yeah. So you had a connection to it there, too. So that's cool. Yeah. All All right, man. Well, my number four is okay so i like to sneak in horror wherever i can right and it turns out on this list there's actually two horror scenes on this list and this is the first one although it's not horrific but it's from a horror movie from 2000 it's a movie scream 3 and it's the scene uh with the cameo of with carrie fisher <laughs> all right honorable so mention. yeah honorable so, mention. oh it's honorable mention for you okay good yeah, yeah i loved it yeah so you know this one okay so yeah i mean she's working in the like production studio or whatever and Courtney Cox and Parker Posey, who I also love, by the way, she's just hilarious in this movie and just in pretty much anything she's in. I love Parker Posey, but they come in and Carrie Fisher's there working in the office and she's this like ex-actress that now works for the studio. And the, sh- the shtick is, is that she looks just like Carrie Fisher. Mm. So they're both like, wait a second, are you? And she's like, no, 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 that's not me. Uh, I didn't get the role because I didn't sleep with George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, so kind of like poking fun at herself, really, which I thought was really cool. And then it just kind of goes on with the three of them kind of having banter or whatever. It's only a couple minutes, but this movie was widely considered shit, even by Scream fanatics, because the first two were so great. And I mean, I like it as kind of a guilty pleasure movie for me. It's it's definitely the worst of the Scream movies, in my opinion. But I do like it if I'm like watching, you know, all four of them, which I do every I try to do that every October, watch all four Scream movies in succession. Nice. But but to get Carrie Fisher to do a cameo in this man, it was just crazy to me, especially I mean, at the time. But now when you like look back on it, because it's such an homage to her, too, you know. But yeah, I, I love this. I mean, I, I know that, that I feel like if we were doing and nobody's pitched this to me yet, but I feel like if we did like top five cameos in movies, this might come up on that one too. 
Because I just yeah. loved it so much. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Like the reason why it made my honorable mentions is because I was tossing up between that and another horror film, and I was like, which one do I like the least out of these two? And I, I kind of enjoy this more than the one I'm about to give in a second, sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, it's it's just a great cameo, and it's kind of bizarre because she cameoed in this, and then she cameoed in um was it Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, in which right. she played, and I think then so. yeah, yeah, and then Jane Silent Bob actually cameoed themselves in Scream Three. They're just two dudes hanging outside one of the theater. <laughs> Right. like the production lots and it's just like right what the hell is going on this films these two films are so incestuous but yeah, yeah yeah scream 3 is a wacky I, I don't i mean it's just so weird it's so it's such an outcast from the rest of the franchise yeah um and a lot of people you know say that but i don't know i dug it i mean it had its good moments namely this cameo from carrie fisher but it had its good moments. It had a lot of overacting and a lot of kind of cheesy tropes in Scream 3 that you didn't really get in the first two. And even in Scream 4, you didn't really get a lot of it. But mm. that's why that's why it's kind of the dark horse of the franchise. But come on, man. A Carrie Fisher cameo where she's basically talking shit about herself. I mean, it's priceless. So Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm with you, man. I enjoy the hell out of it as well. All right, man. Well, glad to hear we had a little mini crossover there. So uh, that swings us back over to you, Sam. What's your number three, buddy? Yeah, so this is the horror film that I was alluding to. Absolutely dug the first one, the second one, watched it at the movies, didn't think too much of it. I'm talking, of course, of Saw 2. Okay. And, and when I'm talking about Saw 2, the, the scene that springs to mind, and because I've got a massive phobia of needles, this is probably why it's so memorable and great to me, mm-hmm. is the scene in which the character, I think her name is Amanda, basically has to get like go into a pit of used syringes in yep. order to find the like antidote to the poison that she's got coursing through her veins. Yep. That for me is like this like as i said rest of the film pretty garbage I, I like the ending i thought the ending was like pretty twisty but nowhere near it like not a patch on the first one obviously but at the same time this one scene was just enough for me to go holy shit this is next level like this is actual like fear inducing type uh, material for me like and i did i had nightmares afterwards purely because you know a couple of my fear of needles um, of course i'm gonna hate the scene but yeah it was just it was just something about it eh yeah, it's like reaching down deep into your psyche there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I can I can imagine it was probably like me with with the movie like Arachnophobia because I have a fear of spiders, you know. So mm. there were a couple there were a couple scenes in that movie that still fuck with me if I just think about them today. <laughs> so, but yeah, uh, that that scene, the needles scene in Saw Two, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know that I want to say this like definitively, but that might be, with the exception of the end scene of the first one, that might be the best like scene from the Saw franchise. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I can't like I've seen all of them. I can't remember anything from, you know, three, four, five, six, twelve, right. whatever they got up to. Right. But just like the ending of the first scene. I mean sorry, the ending of the first one, you know, and the bit where he cuts off his foot and then like the syringes, like those those are the scenes mm-hmm. that I like remember. They're just brilliant. Yeah. I'd say I would say so. Yeah, I'm trying to think, and you're right. I mean, those are definitely the most memorable ones that come to mind. Where the other ones I have to really, really think about. Did you mm-hmm. see that uh, Chris Rock's doing the next, or doing a? Is it like a prequel or something he's doing? Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, and he's yeah, got. It's really weird, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like Chris Rock bought the rights to make the next film. I'm like, what the hell is going yeah. on here? Like? I was like, Chris Rock, what are you doing, man? But okay, <laughs> do it, bro. All right, so that's a good pick. Uh, I'm glad to get a little horror on your side of the table too, man. So, mm. all right, so I don't know. I might get <laughs> I might get some visceral thrown at me for this one. I don't know. My number three is from a filmmaker. I'm just going to give you the filmmaker first and see what your reaction is. But it's Zack Snyder. Ooh. Okay, 
All right. Now, look, this is a movie that I love. Okay. Critics hated it. Uh, the CGI was wonky at times. Doesn't really stand up. I actually rewatched this scene about an hour ago to have it fresh in my mind for this discussion. But I just love this movie. And I wish Zack Snyder had kind of stayed in such this fantastical realm that he was in with Sucker Punch. Ooh. And that's at my number three. And it's the scene when Baby Doll fights the three giant samurai in Sucker Punch. You know what scene I'm referring to? I do. I do. I, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen this film. I, it burns itself into my memory for a lot of reasons, but not good ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you're on the other side of the table with all these, man. I was hoping oh, you'd be on my side for some of them. I'm so uh, sorry, man. I'm so I, sorry, but yeah, just nah, not yeah, for me. This film. Yeah, I don't know, man. I guess, uh, I guess seeing like these hot chicks in cosplay, basically, mm-hmm. and like kicking ass, did something for me. I don't know, but oh, understandable. I just, yeah, <laughs> I just, con- I just connected this movie when I saw it, and then you know, I own it on Blu-ray. I've watched it a few times. I showed it to my daughter a few years ago, and she dug it. Uh, I feel like it's a really good like you know, female empowerment movie too, uh, mm-hmm. because they're obviously in a very unsavory situation having, uh, you know, dealt with abuse and they're, they're in this asylum basically. And, you know, the um, parallel world, if you will, that they're kind of envisioning when they're in the sucker punch reality or alternate reality, I should say, kind of empowers them and helps them overcome what's happening in their real life. Um, I, I love Emily Browning. I, I love, I actually got her on my list twice, which I didn't do on purpose. And I can't believe that because she's not really like an A-list actress necessarily. Yeah. Uh, but she's in two movies I'm going to be talking about on my list here. But yeah, that scene from Sucker Punch and you know, the visuals in it, there's a really cool kind of climax to that scene i don't know if you remember but she you know she's doing her kind of somersaults and her and, and you know acrobatics and whatnot with the sword play and everything and then she kind of does this like uh somersault and lands on the like samurai's chest basically because he's like a giant you know he's like three times her size and she like lands on his chest and pulls out a handgun and like shoots him in the head uh like point blank range and then when he falls back um bjork's army of me comes on and then she just kind of like walks out like just this badass you know um so i thought it was a really cool incorporation of that music into that scene too and i love that song as well which probably helps but yeah i mean i you know i get it i mean i know most people hate it i know it's really kind of a i mean why don't you tell me sam i mean so what is it that you don't like about it that you recall at least uh yeah like (laughs) (laughs) where to start how long have we got go ahead go ahead (laughs) just real quick go ahead no, no, like, again, like, with a compliment sandwich, I mean, you're right. Visually, it's so stunning. Like, it's so beautifully, you know, put together, and the use of colors and everything in it is just phenomenal. But the story just felt so disjointed. And mm-hmm. that was, that, I think that was my biggest problem for me, me, because I am, I'm like a real story guy. Like, if a movie grabs me and has my attention um, for its plot twists and its story and everything like that, I'm there for that. It's like, it doesn't matter how visually stunning it looks or doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to have a good right, story. Right. I feel like that was just my biggest sort of take away from it like i love the idea i love the concept i just thought it was poorly executed basically yeah right no i, I get it man and uh i i can see that like i'm never gonna be like you're crazy like i i understand <laughs> that i'm in the minority i mean i was yeah. just looking it up it was 22 percent on rotten tomatoes but i mean you got vanessa hudgens in there it's uh a lot of female actresses that i really like and i do love the visuals in this movie too mm-hmm. you know i've been disappointed with Zack Snyder in general so it's ironic to me that one of his lowest rated 
rated movies as my favorites <laughs> of, of his. Do you know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, so Sucker Punch and the scene where Baby Doll fights the samurai is my number three. And we're up to our runner up, Sam. So you're up yes. first, man. What's your number two, buddy? Oh, I'm still deciding between between the two of them. But I'm, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the romantic comedy that I put on this. Uh, in our podcast, we give scores out of ten thousand, and this movie got the lowest score that I've ever given a movie, which is one out of ten thousand. What? Yeah, <laughs> that is how bad I did not enjoy this film. And the film is oh, I Feel man. Pretty, the 2018 Amy Schumer oh, film. You know what? I never saw. That I, I didn't see don't, that. I, don't. It, missed, it missed me. I I kind of like Amy Schumer, her stand up comedy. I was a fan of hers before she like became quote unquote famous. Yeah, uh, and I actually saw her in a club locally about I don't know five six years ago when she was doing stand up. And I like her style of stand up comedy, and I liked her Comedy Central sketch show that she did. And I really liked um what was the one John Cena was in with her um oh Trainwreck train yeah Trainwreck yeah. yeah. I like Trainwreck, but I feel like everything after that, I just haven't, I don't know why it hasn't really interested me. She's kind of gotten too big for her britches, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, same. I guess that's probably the best way to describe it as well. Like, I just, I can't remember at what point I went off her, but like, similar to you, like, I liked her earlier comedy. I thought she had, you know, like, you know, had some pretty good sort of comedy chops, basically. But as it went on, it just became grating. And this film is everything that's bad about Amy Schumer that you don't enjoy, that is in this film. Like, that's what this film is for an hour and a half, basically, or however long it goes for. But it's briefly interspersed with these moments with michelle williams where michelle williams is is a national icon as far as i'm considering michelle like, williams is in this yeah oh my god michelle she is brilliant like she is like honestly, oh, i love her i just can't believe she was in this but go yeah, ahead she is and she's playing like the most non-michelle williams character ever so she's basically playing the head of this um you know fashion house type thing and she's just this like baby voiced airhead who has no idea what's going on who has like lost all touch of reality doesn't understand the plight of the normal person and so the best scene with her that you can sort of look up on um, youtube is she starts going on about the diffusion line which basically is to her is like the cheap stuff that they're putting in targets and coals or something like that as she calls right. it in the film and she she's basically like her mum's there and she's like no you've got to realize that you know like we need to sell our products in target she's just and it's just it's it's bizarre because i've never thought of michelle williams as like a a comedic actress but in this film she just crushes it absolutely wow that's awesome now i kind of want to see it man just watch the michelle (laughs) williams scenes don't watch anything else (laughs) but this one skipped me is this the one that got all the controversy because it was like a movie about her uh you know not being accepted until she was hot or something like that or uh, like she, she lost weight and then people liked her or something to that effect no nah, she like she like the message is good but she just turns into like the biggest bitch in the film sort of thing so she she falls off an exercise bike and then smacks yeah. her head and then when she wakes up she pictures herself as just this like beautiful goddess and so that's what the joke is for okay. the rest of the film is like you know models and stuff looking at her and going are you serious and she's like I'm more front of the house I'm like look at me look at me clearly I'm the most beautiful person you've got working for your okay. organization okay I was thinking it was more along Along the lines of like a shallow Hal storyline, I couldn't remember what all the hubbub was about it because I didn't yeah. see it. But uh, well, yeah, it's sort of it, it's rather than like accepting who you are, she just has this like fantasized version of who she is, sort of thing, and then she be, just becomes like really mean to the people that were her friends, and she doesn't learn anything. Like by the end of the movie, she hasn't learned anything, so there's no real message there. And like you know, what could have been a great girl empowerment movie just starts turning into a like just a mockery of it. I guess is the best way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's not a good film. Not a good film. 
Wow. <laughs> one out of 10,000. <laughs> I was going to say, I was just about to say one out of 10,000. Yeah. And that one is Michelle Williams. Like that is wow. all the one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Michelle Williams deserves that one brother. So I, 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 I will allow that. I like that. <laughs> I love Michelle Williams. <laughs> all right, man. So look, uh, my second of two horror entries on the list and a movie that, um, really is one of the most disappointing experiences of my theater going life uh theater one of the most disappointing theater experiences i've ever had and honestly it's because of the scene that i'm putting on this list at number two because one of the greatest opening scenes in modern horror came in 2002's ghost ship did you ever see see ghost ship damn it yes so you've seen this yeah i know and i know exactly the scene you're talking about god damn it that is a great call that would have been on my list that is brilliant yeah man i mean um for the for the folks that might not know i mean you know this is a a movie that's set up um because it's a haunted ship um like cruise ship and what happens uh however many years ago is they're having this kind of like you know ballroom dance and these, uh, you know, really cool jazz musicians are playing on the stage and it's a really kind of fun vibe. And this is the opening of the movie that's playing over the credits, basically, in the beginning. And uh, everybody's dancing and having a good time, um, kind of like old school kind of flapper jazz numbers are playing. And the off off screen, the quote unquote killer or villain in the movie um, basically cuts the like steel cable wire that is um, holding up all the lights above the dance floor. And he cut he cuts that so what happens is the steel cable comes undone and it goes through the entire dance floor so what happens is it literally uh slices i don't know what would you say what would you say sam about 20 or 30 people like uh, more slice, than that it feels more like than that, 50 or 60 is, is quite a few people yeah but, but it slices all of them in half basically yeah. and the scene plays out over a couple minutes where they're realizing that their body's been cut in half and there's a couple, like, obviously, you have to suspend disbelief because there's a couple scenes where there's a really awesome, like, practical effects scene where one of the girls that gets cut in half is on the ground. Both of her, like, her torso and her bottom half are on the ground, and she's trying to put herself back together. And they, I don't know if you remember that. They show yeah. that. Uh, and then there's one dude's arm that's been cut off, and it's, like, acting on its own accord, so it's, like, reaching out for help, you know? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you know, but Emily Browning was the young girl in that scene that didn't get affected because she was too short for the cable to have cut her wow so and and i just named her in sucker punch too and when i was making my list i'm like holy shit that's emily browning because i watched the scene back and i had forgotten that she was in that that scene because she has a small role in that movie that's crazy Um, yeah but but yeah so i think the older version of her in the movie is juliana margulies i think yeah um I think it's the same character. But yeah, the opening to Ghost Ship, guys, the way you watch Ghost Ship if you're a horror fan is you is you play it, you start it, and then after the scene ends, five minutes after it's over, you stop it. That's yeah. how you watch Ghost Ship. Because <laughs> it literally, nothing else of merit happens for the for the next 90 minutes. I mean, right, Sam? Am I right there? I mean, it's, you, it's such a disappointing experience for me. You're so absolutely correct. Like, like I, I love my horror films as much as you by the sound sort of thing. And, you know, like to have that sort of intro opening, you're like, oh, I'm in for this film. This is my type of film. And then just, wow, I've been disappointed yeah. for an hour and a half. This is great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you got Gabriel Byrne in there, Juliana Margulies, and like nothing happens, man. I mean, there's yeah. some spook, there's some spooky like ghost stuff, like classic kind of like ghost story, tri- like haunted house kind of things or whatever. But 
I mean, it was just it never for that to be their opening scene. It just never lived up to it again. The rest of the movie. So, nice. but that scene is phenomenal um, in modern horror. I think it's one of the better opening scenes from any modern horror film since like the year two thousand. So, check it out if you guys are into horror. Check out the opening to Ghost Ship if you haven't seen it. So uh, we're up to our number ones, Sam. How you feeling, man? We uh, you mentioned Ace Ventura too, and that's in my honorable mentions. But other yeah. than that. Well, you said you had Scream 3 in your honorables. So. Yeah, but other, But other than that, not a lot of crossovers. So I'm excited to see what your number one is, man. What do you got? Well, I thought we were going to have a crossover when you started mentioning a certain Zack Snyder's name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. I, I'm sorry, Nick Haskins. I know you're sitting there right now about ready to fly to New Zealand and punch me in the face. <laughs> I'm talking about the abysmal, goddamn awful, ridiculously shit film that was Batman vs. Superman. Thank you. <laughs> I'm You're sorry. Right. I'm sorry, Nick. I, I don't mean to dunk on you like this, but and it, like this, this yellow thing too is like I'm obviously a massive Marvel fanboy, and a lot of our listeners write in complaints about how I shit on DC films. But I, I yeah. did not like Batman vs Superman. I thought it was a convoluted mess. But that being said, I've played a lot of the Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, um, Arkham Knight video games, and basically mm-hmm. the best thing about those games is Batman flying into a group of people and just like completely tearing shit up, being the hell out of twenty people. So of course I'm going with the warehouse fight in Batman vs Superman yeah. with Batman. Man rescues yeah. Superman's mom. It is ridiculous. It is yeah, absolutely that's the ridiculous. One. Yeah, that's the one for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I'm me and Nick have actually fought on air before about DC <laughs> and at his house a few weeks ago. I mean, you know, this guy loves it and I'm not a fan, but the thing with me is that it's just disappointing, man, because like I want it like, you know, Batman 89, Batman Returns, like DC, like if I'm reading it on the page, I prefer DC, yeah. but they just haven't been able to translate it to the screen since the 90s, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I just don't know what they're missing, dude. I, I, I heard all the news about Keaton and everything, and I'm, you know, cautiously optimistic about that stuff, but I don't know what the hell was going on with uh, Batman versus Superman. I also was pretty disappointed by Justice League and oh yeah 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 I don't know man I, I'm with you though I, I just this is the scene though I mean if you yeah. just watch this scene this five minutes or whatever great choreography great special effects um and it's kind of the encompassing the character that Batfleck was too so mm. just kind of this badass kicking ass you know what I mean but go ahead I mean go ahead I mean what else did you want to say about it I didn't mean I didn't mean to interrupt you there no of course by all means yeah I mean like I'm totally with you like as I've gotten older I've started to appreciate the DC comics a lot more like actually reading them um and then like you're right like the translation to screen has just been so poor and I think this is this film perfectly encapsulates the biggest problem of DC is that they have these amazing stories that they're sitting on and rather than giving one as justice and making a you know like a film out of it like the like the marvel films have done they've tried to stretch or they've tried to stretch the runtime to include five different stories so you know batman mm-hmm. vs superman is superman coming to um you know coming to terms with the fact that he destroyed all these cities and the public hate him on this on the same time you know like the actual fight between batman vs superman is like its own story in itself batman wonder woman and uh superman coming together to fight doomsday i mean like what the hell like doomsday is in this film as well you know what i mean right like, right right, right. <laughs> it's like you start reading it on paper you're like what the hell is going on here like there, there's a yeah. superman film on its own there's a batman film on 
on its own. There's a you know Batman vs Superman film on its own. There's the Dawn of Justice sort of fi- like like those are like four or five decent stories that you can make an entire film out of. And that, yeah. I think that's just the biggest problem with these films. Like I I'd really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I liked the simplicity of Me it, where, where it was just like here's Wonder Woman, here's her arc, and like just very well executed by Patty Jenkins. Just thought that was great. Aquaman, mm-hmm. I'm sort of take it or leave it. Birds of Prey was the same thing. Justice League, I oh, would I've deleted that from my memory in a lot of ways. I don't remember anything from it. So, yeah. <laughs> Helps you sleep better at night to just not even re- remember it exists. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Basically, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I dug Birds of Prey. Um, the first Suicide Squad I thought was a piece of shit, although, uh, you know, it had its merits. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> Did it? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, really, Margot Robbie is what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, Margot Robbie and maybe the music. Uh, but other than that, I mean, yeah. <laughs> But I did like Birds of Prey. I dug that, and I mm. thought I was going to hate it because I hated Suicide Squad so much. I'm like, why? And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, why am I even going to see this? Like, this yeah. is going to piss piss me off so bad. Um, and I dug it. I thought Ewan McGregor was shooting scenery, and Harley Quinn was, or Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn was doing her thing again, kind of dialed up even more so in this movie. Uh, I didn't like that it was called Birds of Prey because the Birds of Prey weren't really in it. <laughs> it should have been, <laughs> it should have been called Harley Quinn. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I did like it as a movie going experience, whereas Suicide Squad was just a nightmare for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't want to go too too long on DC. I just don't know what they're doing, man. I, I, mm. I hope they can figure it out though, because like I said, from a source material standpoint, and I know you're a Marvel fanboy, and there's a lot of great stuff in the Marvel universe too. So don't don't take this the wrong way, but mm. just from like a source material standpoint, like I love DC. I love their foundation. I just wish they could figure it out cinematically. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why they can't get the right filmmakers or the right producers that they trust to like you know translate it to the screen i mean i just feel like they should be able to figure that out you know what i mean <laughs> i feel like they're just missing uh, that kevin feige who can just see 20 years into the future and just see it all play out and getting an end result i think that's you know I yeah think they're just missing that yeah it, yeah all right man so we were kind of talking about batfleck a little bit so i'm going to talk about a ben affleck film here that has uh been shit on by the critics for the most part uh, nobody likes it, and uh, I don't really either. I think it was a a huge missed opportunity on what could have been just an amazing uh, kind of historical fiction movie. But it's a movie called Pearl Harbor <laughs> that came out in two thousand one, which was directed by Michael Bay. I don't like the movie, but what I do like, and I, I can explain why if you need me to. But what I do like is the attack on Pearl Harbor, which is the the scene with the Japanese ships coming in and actually bombing. Uh, Pearl Harbor on a day that will live in infamy, quote unquote, as FDR said when it happened in 1941. Uh, one of the most historical events in American history um, that really started World War II for the most part, or at least America's involvement in it. And what I love about that kind of storytelling, and I talked about this on a recent episode because the movie Titanic came up and it's very similar in that respect, where it takes such a historical event that literally the entire world like knows very intimately, but there's no way to see it. Like there's no visual evidence of when it happened. And what Michael Bay does here is he recreates the bombing of Pearl Harbor and he kind of shows it to us and says, so it's almost like we can see what it would have been like had we been there. Do you know what I mean? So that's why I like it. I feel like the special effects with the planes and and all the kind of like added because there's added stuff in this scene too. Like I don't know if have you seen this by the way? You've seen it, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I want to make sure you've seen this so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, but yeah. you know, there's ad, there's added stuff in the scene that's for like you know cinematic like to just up the ante a little bit for cinematic for dramatic value. Like Cuba Cuba Gooding's character is like the cook on the ship. 
and he throughout this scene he's kind of like running around trying to help people that have been shot and like whatever and uh you know he ends up grabbing one of the cannons and shooting down one of the planes but he's just a you know short order cook basically uh so that stuff's like added in there or whatever but generally speaking like if you just look at the broad scope of the attack itself i just think that's really cool but the movie i was extremely disappointed because that period in history really fascinates me and i love they build this as being like similar to titanic which was obviously a gigantic hit for james cameron and it's like you know one of the greatest movies ever and it won 10 oscars and it's like you know what i mean yeah Uh, and they and they build pearl harbor as being a very similar type of movie which you can see that's kind of what they were trying to do but it just didn't work man and it was just too michael bay (laughs) you know it's too michael bayish you know what i mean um, what did you what did you want to say about Pearl Harbor? You know the scene I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, absolutely! Like it was funny before we started this podcast, and hence why I laughed when you said Michael Bay. Because I thought to myself, like you could actually make a list of five awesome scenes in shit Michael Bay films. Like <laughs> that's right, yeah. And then you and could. Even, and even when I was doing my list, like one of my friends over this morning, I was sort of joking around, and we were talking about this, and I said, "Can you put in an hour as? Can you claim an hour as a scene? Because effectively, <laughs> that's what it is. It's like it's an hour of the movie that is just yeah. jammed in there." That that is like for the first hour, like this love triangle between you know Beffleck and bloody Josh Harnett. You're just like, I don't right. need this. What is this? And then you yeah. just get to this one hour that you're like, this is amazing. And then it just flips around the other way, sort of thing. And I'm with you, man. Like it's funny, I've never actually put those two together, like the Titanic and Pearl Harbor together. But it makes so much sense because that is what Titanic is. It's an hour of just insanity, but it's prefaced right. by this like love story. And that's what this movie is as well. Right, right. I f- it's like and, revelation. And, Thank you, man. This is amazing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if I don't think I'm the first one to say that, but who knows? <laughs> but that's how I see it is like, you know, they're taking this very historical event with the fictional love story built in there and you can see what what they were trying to do is like okay you're you're mirroring and i love titanic like you know I, i'll get shit on for it by people in our <laughs> circle or whatever but i love that movie man that's one of my favorite movies of all time and and james cameron is a master dude because what he did that michael bay didn't do is he really devoted the first half of that of that movie to connecting you to those characters mm. so that when the tragedy occurred because everybody knows the titanic sank so you know <laughs> what's going to happen there's no spoilers involved you know what i mean so you had to be connected to Rose and to Jack and to their relationship and all that stuff for that to really matter. Otherwise, it's just why not just watch a documentary? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Michael Bay didn't do that or the actors or whatever you want to say didn't do that in Pearl Harbor, in my opinion. But the recreation of that very historical event, I thought was really cool. I just thought it took way too long to get to it. Um, and like you said, the beginning with the love triangle just didn't interest me. I just wasn't connected to them like I was in Cameron's film. So. But yeah, it's my number one, man. So Pearl Harbor, Michael Bay. I guess it's not a surprise that Michael Bay showed up on this list. To be honest, yeah. I was thinking about one from. Uh, I was thinking about one from the Transformers sequel too, the Forest Fight as well. But I didn't put that on here. But yeah, that was I in thought- that was in contention as well. Yeah. All right, cool, man. So uh, Sam, we're gonna do our honorable mentions here in a second. But before we do that, why don't you just wrap up your top five again and remind everyone what you had there? Yeah, of course. So yeah, my number five was Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls, which was the Rhino birth. Uh, number four was Street Fighter. It was a Tuesday. Saw two. Uh, for number three, that was a pit full of syringes. My number two was a Michelle Williams crushing it as a completely different character than she <laughs> normally plays and I feel pretty. And my number one was the warehouse fights in Batman vs. Superman. Good one, man. And my top five was I have the paintball scene with Tom Hardy and Reese Witherspoon from This Means War. And then I had Carrie Fisher's cameo from Scream 3, Baby Doll versus the Samurai and Sucker Punch. 
the opening uh, ballroom scene to Ghost Ship. And then my number one was the attack on Pearl Harbor in Pearl Harbor is my number one. All right, Sam. So we're going to wrap up shortly over on social media by seeing what some of the fans and friends of the show had to say. But before we do that, I wanted to give you an opportunity to give some honorable mentions that didn't make your top five, man. What do you got over there? Yeah, cool. I'll whip, whip through them fairly quickly. Uh, from 1995, the room, uh, the movie Four Rooms that was directed by Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, and I can't remember who the other two directors were. Basically, mm-hmm. there's one scene or one vignette or whatever that's directed by Rodriguez, and that one is it just blows me out of the water. It's like really well done. The rest of them were just absolute garbage. Um, yeah, The Scream 3, that was The Princess Leia. Uh, from... Doom, <laughs> the first person shooting scene in Doom. Yeah, I have that one as well. Yeah. Honorables. Yep. It was brilliant. And then the other ones too, like I like I really love The Room. I know Nick Haskins, I might have won you back on that, <laughs> but I really love The Room. And I was like, how do I, like all of these scenes in that movie are just phenomenal. Uh, the same with The Punisher Warzone, absolutely love that. But then my other honorable mention that I only dropped off because I love the film so much is from Wet Hot American Summer. And I was like flummoxed that this was sitting at 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, but then mm-hmm. it had an audience score of like 92% or whatever. But there's a scene where they go into town and then they go to the library and then they like start eating french fries and then they start smoking cigarettes and then they get some beers and then they smoke a joint and then they score some coke and then they mug an old lady in the street and then they start shooting up smack and then they're like smoking crack in like this just like abandoned house and then yeah. they come back from town and they're like how was it it's like oh so good to get out of go to town even if it's just for an hour and it's just like come on man. Yeah, 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 what the yeah. hell but like that movie like totally plays to my sensibilities of just that absurdist yeah. sort of comedy. Yeah, I just love it. Sure, yeah, I love that movie, man. That's, that's uh, bringing back some good memories there, Sam. <laughs> yeah. All right, so to round out my top ten, you mentioned a couple of them already. So my number six is from Ace Ventura when Nature Calls, right? But it's the scene when Ace uh, meets the tribe and Tommy oh. Davidson, and he has to fight Tommy Davidson's character. So <laughs> he meets the tribe, and they keep referring to him as White Devil, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And... Uh, and his translator is like, he's like, tell them what I'm saying. And he's like, I come in peace. And so the translator is like saying it in their native language. And he's like, white devil says he comes in peace. And <laughs> and he goes, I can't help but realize that you just refer to me as white devil. If you could leave that part out from now on, that'd be great. And I just love that banter because he's like saying like, you know, we come in peace. Like, I don't want to fight you. And his translator is not very good in English. So he's translating like, I, I came here to fight you. I hope you go to hell, and like, yeah, yeah. which is not what he's saying, you know? And anyway, it leads to this kind of like Olympic style competition where he has to survive all these different things. And it ends with him getting the spears in his legs and Jim Carrey's physical comedy just comes into play where he's like screaming at the spears oh, and they're yeah. all laughing at him. Yeah. So that's the scene I picked, but I do love the rhino birth as well. Let's be honest. I just love Ace Ventura, so. Uh, my number seven is also the first person shooter sequence from Doom, mm. uh, uh, a movie playing Doom. And I even play Quake really, really. I was really into Quake, uh, which was like a spinoff of Doom and the same engine. And I, it was just so disappointing, man, because I'm like, oh, yes, a Doom movie. This is going to be great. <laughs> and it was just a piece of shit until that one like homage that they did with the first person point of view. It was especially painful for me, too, because it had Carl Urban, who was a New Zealand actor. So it was like, oh, yeah, it was like, wow, we're getting representation with finally making the main screen of like makes main screen of hollywood this is amazing we're finally up there and then <laughs> this and you're just like oh no oh, yeah fuck you it. We blew watched... it, guys you know back <laughs> anyway, to the it's hobble. over it's over yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should have just watched them played on youtube i guess i don't know yeah, yeah uh my number eight would have been a movie that actually my number eight nine and ten are movies i 
purposely put it eight, nine, and ten because they are much higher in Rotten Tomatoes than I thought they would be, which I'm actually I actually kind of excited about that. But they are still quote unquote rotten, but they were a little too high for me to consider them quote unquote bad movies, I guess. But uh, Darth Maul's dual lightsaber in yes. the Fan- the Phantom Menace, which is a movie that disappointed me as a Star Wars fan, but that scene uh, might be the best lightsaber duel or fight in all of Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, it was- I, I I I have a, a soft spot for in the Force Awakens when Rey uh, calls the lightsaber and fights uh, Kylo mm-hmm. too, but that would probably be a very close number two for me. What do you think from a lightsaber? You're a Star Wars guy, right? Yeah, massive Star Wars guy. Yeah, I was. Um, this was actually going to be my number one, and then I saw the Rotten Tomatoes score, and I was yeah, me too. Blown yeah. away. I thought everyone universally hated this. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's 53% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Wow. Uh, my, num- my number nine would have been when Achilles fights Hector and Troy, Ooh. Brad Pitt. But that movie is also higher than I thought it would be. It's 54% right now. And then my number 10 to round it out would have been from Spider-Man 3, which is much higher than I thought it would be because I everybody I know hates Spider-Man 3. But it's when Venom... Um, when Tobey Maguire uh, frees himself of Venom and the special effects and it latches onto Eddie Brock in uh, Spider-Man 3. Also, the Sandman birth is oh, really yeah. cool, too. Yeah. But uh, did you that movie 63 percent on Rotten Tomatoes? What? Don't you feel like every, I know. Don't you feel like everybody hates that movie? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what the f- oh, that, that blows me away. That blows me away me more too. than Phantom Menace because like, yeah, everyone said it was disappointing or whatever. But Spider-Man 3, I thought was like universally hated. You know, like yeah. like up there with that Me Fantastic too. Four movie from 2015 or whatever. I thought it was like just in the lower, lower echelons of comic book movies. Oh, man. So, all right, Sam, if you're into it, brother, let's head over to social media and see what some of the fans had to say in the old suggestion box, okay? Oh, absolutely. So, our buddy Dan, the aforementioned Dan from Netflix and Swill, is uh, getting controversial over there. So, I'll see what you think about this. But he says... The first one he mentioned was from There Will Be Blood, and it's the scene where you drink the milkshake, which is the closing scene with Daniel Day-Lewis. That's a good movie, though, right? Yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> that's what I told him. I'm like, what, dude? I don't think you got the brief. Um, <laughs> and then here's another one that's going against the grain here, but Gidget Von LaRue says the head and pole scene in Hereditary, which is also a movie I love. Yeah, same. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> what are these guys doing? Yeah. Uh, Word Salad Radio says the opening scene to drive, uh, anything with Emma Stone in Ghost of Girlfriend's Past and the surgery sequence in Prometheus. What do you think about any of those? Uh, I thought Drive was quite universally beloved, but I have seen a lot of pushback on that in recent years. People saying it's a rubbish film. I still enjoy it. I still think it's great. I don't care that Ryan Gosling sees nothing. He looks good enough. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, it looks great. What are you kidding me? Yeah, exactly. A scorpion jacket? I mean, come on. You can't beat that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the other, are you the other a, two, man, not so much, but yeah. Are you a Prometheus fan or no? I, I don't that's actually a devi- think That's I've a divisive it. one. I don't think I've seen it in this like entirety like and i love the original aliens i've even watched alien vs predators and all that but I, I don't think i've watched all of prometheus i think i gave there's a lot of films that as i've got older i've got to a point where it's like i could continue watching this for another hour or i could actually watch something i'm enjoying and so I've, I've become a lot more particular about just stopping after half an hour or so so yeah okay mm. michelle d who's a patron of the show thank you so much michelle she says the internship she enjoyed the movie but there's a great scene within the movie when they play quidditch do you know do you know the intern i think that's vince vaughn and owen wilson if i'm not mistaken it is they get internship at google i right yeah i mean i I, it doesn't take much for me to enjoy a comedy and i think i enjoyed it but yeah i wouldn't wouldn't rewatch it sort of thing so yeah good good that's cool so these guys are really testing the waters here man so john arthur bell 
on Twitter uh, shared a link to the I Love the Smell of Napalm in the Morning oh, what scene the? From, from Apocalypse Now. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> what the hell? You're talking about my favorite war movie of all time there, bud. Yeah, man. Wow. Oh, man. And then uh, Top 5 Podcast says they prefer Hearts of Darkness to Apocalypse Now. <laughs> So I don't know, man. They're they're going wild out there. It's 2020, Sam. I don't know what people are doing. Oh, yeah. Everyone's just giving up on life by the sound of it. I'm coming for you guys. What the hell is this? <laughs> oh, man. MDX Pods, they give feedback every week. Thank you so much, guys. They, uh, they mirrored your pick. They said Batman's Warehouse Fight and BVS. Thanks, guys. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Steve from Everything I Love for Movies has got what he said. Uh, He said that I feel like you're specifically picking this topic because of this scene. And it's the one with Darth Maul with the dual lightsaber. Yeah. Love your work, (laughs) Steve. That is a universally uh, universal one. So we're going to head over to the uh, Facebook fan community and wrap up over there. Sam, so as you know. We this is where we interact with our fans the most, guys. So if you have not joined up yet, please join up over in the Facebook fan community. Let's see what we got over there. Now listen to this dude. So Julio, uh, you know Julio from yep. the Contrarians. <laughs> he put up a gif of uh got the aforementioned Gosling and Emma Stone dancing, and he says the final sequence in blah blah bland. I love La La Land, dude. What about you? Uh, I'm with Julio. I can't stand it. Oh, man. Sorry, blah, man. Blah, blah, bland, bro. Okay. I, I don't uh, know what it is. I think it, I think it was because I found both of the characters incredibly unlikable. Like, they were incredibly, like, privileged, got themselves into good positions, and then... Sure. Oh, no, no. I, Emma Stone. I think Emma Stone really graded me. I think she he'd gone out of his way to do all these things for her, and she just sort of was just like, meh, nah, see you, bye. You know? Yeah. Well, Dan Brennick took an opportunity to call Julio out, and he shared a screen shot of Julio's uh, review of it on Letterboxd and he gave it three and a half stars so Dan Ray's like what are you talking about bro <laughs> he gave it three and a half Julio like, you, you know. fraud <laughs> so they had a nice little back and forth uh, there uh, let's see Christiani says uh, jumping the car onto the boat at the end of Too Fast Too Furious oh yeah are you a friend of the are you a fan of the Fast and Furious flicks? No, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean not me either. Nah, but I, I I do know the scene you're talking about, Chris. That's a good one. Yeah. Tony Vandenbush shares the uh link to the I'm here to chew bubblegum oh, yes. from They Live. Yeah. Which I think probably has a shitty score on Rotten Tomatoes. She's she's probably in the brief there. Yeah. Now this is one we didn't mention, Sam, and I gotta admit, because I knew you were a Marvel dude, that I thought you were gonna bring this one to your list. I, I think I, I know almost, what you're talking about before I, you even I say almost it. <laughs> I almost would have guaranteed you would have mentioned it. But uh Daniel uh Hendo from the movie journey says the opening montage to X-Men Origins Wolverine. Yes. The only reason why I didn't include this is I feel like it's a credits and not a scene. And even then, that's just getting particular. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I well, like, that is, the other thing, too, is like that, I wanted to keep it to one comic book film. And so it was like, mm-hmm. you know, a toss up between that film and Batman vs. Superman. And why not Batman vs. Superman? Why not dump on DC again? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. They need that. <laughs> Uh, our buddy Ashley from Rabbit Ears, she says Keanu Reeves at the restaurant and Always Be My Maybe, but really any scene that he is in in that movie would, would be considered great. I, I mean, he's obviously the best part of that movie. Did you see Always Be My Maybe? I, I rolled my eyes because I was like, I don't. there's no way I'll ever watch that film. But I know the one that's with, is with Ali Wong. And that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, yep. um, yeah, no, that, yeah, he was amazing in that. He was he just was completely anti-character. You know, he was just yeah, like he an was... absolute jackass. You know, that that's a great pick, actually. Well done. 
And she also says the ending fight scene in Raging Angels, the night scene in open water when they're stranded in the shark infested waters at night. Oh yeah. During a during a lightning storm. Yeah. Uh and then she says <laughs> she she loves to troll me in the suggestion box. She said the end fight scene to Wonder Woman and then she scrolled down and she said, Just kidding, that's the worst fight ever in any superhero movie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Ashley. And then I'll wrap up on this one because I thought it was cute. This is a movie that is pretty universally hated, but I dig it because when it came out and particularly when it came out on DVD, my daughter was like eight years old. So we watched it like literally a thousand times on DVD. Uh, But Perry Wilson says anything from that kitchen scene in Mike Myers version of Cat in the Hat. (laughs) Did you ever see Cat that? No, 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 no. Avoided that like the plague. Yeah. You should. You you absolutely should. But like I said, I saw it like literally a thousand times with my daughter uh, when I got it for her on DVD. So All right. that one that one touched a nerve with me. But thank you so much, Perry. And thank you to everyone for the feedback this week in the suggestion box. So that was it, guys. That was our top five and then some uh, great scenes from bad movies. I want to thank Sam from Movie Reviews and 20 Qs for being here and for coming up with a topic. It was a lot of fun to research, Sam, as I told you before. You know, looking these up on YouTube and revisiting them was a blast, man. And I'm a big fan of yours, so it was great to finally have you on the P's, brother. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media and look your show up, man? No, thanks, man. You're too kind. And yeah, this is, this has been an absolute blast. I feel like I could do another 50, to be honest. But um, <laughs> yeah, um, Movie Reviews and 20 cues you can find us uh, basically if you start searching movie reviews in on your podcast app you'll probably pop us up uh, or we'll probably pop up but uh, yeah if you type 20 as in the two zeros so in the numbers sort of thing as opposed to typing out 20 in the text form that's how you'll find us and yeah if you want to get in contact with us find us on twitter at movie reviews in and then we're on facebook but we're not too active on there uh, just movie reviews and 20 cues or um, email at mritqs at gmail.com and yeah that's pretty much it really Yeah, man. I love your show, and thanks so much for being here, Sam. I really appreciate it, buddy. I I hope to have you back again real soon, okay? Oh, um, yeah, it's been a blast. And don't worry, I'll get you on one of our episodes very soon. Love to see what... Yeah, man. Love to see you throw some questions at the room. Yeah. Yeah, man. We'll make that happen, too. Excellent. All right, guys. So so until next time, we'll have another countdown for you and another pee on the pod. I'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Cheers. Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. 
We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.